Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Convert Central. I'm Kevin Siddiq Lim, the host of Convert Central, and I'd like to welcome you to Season 3 of Convert Central. Our podcast focuses on the challenges that Muslim converts face along their conversion journey to help Muslims from all backgrounds to find a strong foothold in Islam. Follow our Instagram and LinkedIn page at Convert Central, and I look forward to sharing with you all the beneficial series we plan for the year. For now, I'd like to welcome you to Season 3 of Convert Central. Welcome back to Commerce Central. So Alhamdulillah, now we are in the episode 3 of Thinking It Through. So for those who are just uh, new to Thinking It Through and listening to the newest podcast of Commerce Central, let me just give an overview of what Thinking It Through is. We are attempting to answer big questions that people have about religion, regardless of whether they are born Muslims or more pertaining to people who are trying to learn religion and Islam itself. So we've actually had a few segments prior to this episode 3. So uh, we, we think that it's better for you if you were to start at the very, very start of the series and work your way through the series because most of the questions and the concepts that we are discussing in this series, they actually build up from each other. And we'll also explain why later in the podcast itself. So we start off this series actually last week on a Monday on our IG Live. And it's actually archived as well on our Instagram page at Convert Central. We shared about the different frameworks to answer these big theological questions that we have about religion itself in general. And we also shared about what we believe to be the ideal framework to answer these questions, the Islamic worldview, and also certain basics and fundamentals about the Islamic worldview. So with the framework that we have actually derived and we have uh, settled on, we've uh, actually went on to our episode one in the podcast, which is two episodes before this, we, we first talked about the existence of God and the concepts that prove this existence of God uh, because the existence of God is the bedrock of the Islamic worldview itself. And we also actually uh, talked about uh, pathways to understand the nature of God in episode 2 that will help to answer the questions we have about the essence of God. So, some of the questions we've addressed in the previous podcast in, in the order of it coming up in the podcast, we actually talked first about how do we understand who God is. And uh, within the same segment, we discussed what is the essence of this God. Dr. Dr. Mubarak gave a, a summary of this uh, portion of the understanding of God. And subsequently, at the second half of the podcast, we discussed why can't God create another God or destroy himself. So questions like in this category, uh, we've addressed in the previous uh, uh, podcast, which is episode two of Thinking It True. So before I move on, and before we move on to the content of episode three, I'd like to give a introduction of uh, Ustaz Dr. Mubarak. So uh, I think the uh, who Dr. Mubarak is the, and the most relevant to us um, new Muslims and Muslim converts is that he's been a very avid volunteer and, and teacher at Darul Akam even since from his university days. So he knows how to contextualize uh, some questions and, and theories that we are discussing in our podcasts and also he knows how to um, make sure that the, con- the, the concepts are discussed will even appeal to the layman. So I'll, I'll first pass time to start Dr. Mubarak to give a summary of episode 2 before moving to the uh, questions that we want to discuss today. Bismillah, Ustaz. Thank you very much, Dick, for the introduction and also a recap on the previous uh, podcast that we have. Um, now, specifically, what uh, I would like to, to, to add on to the recap that was done by Dick is uh, to add a bit more on the understanding of God uh, from the last session. Now, we are still unpacking the first testimony of faith in Islam, where we say, I bear witness that there, there is no other gods except Allah, which in our IG live session, uh, describe it to be the essence of our Islamic worldview, where it is also the essence of the revelation and the fundamental of the intellectual knowledge that comes out in Islam. Now, that testimony gives rise to knowledge of God, the human being, and the universe. 
Now, in the last session, as mentioned, we described how to understand God and the Godhead in Islam, where we emphasize the balance between the names of beauty and the names of majesty, like between mercy and compassion with justice, between his forgiveness and his wrath, between fearing God of the punishment and hoping for his love and paradise, between Allah's generosity and him calling sinners to reckoning, between his power and his power and his judgment with mercy and many others. Now, there is another important concept following this duality in understanding that we need in order to comprehend the nature or essence of the human being's understanding of God. Now, again here, it is our inability to encapsulate the infinite that we require a framework, a tool, a methodology to understand God. God, or Allah is how we call him, uh, must also be understood okay, from the perspective of a balance of transcendence or what we call it incomparability and imminence or we call it similarity. Now, these two ideas, either I use the term transcendence with imminence or I use the pair of incomparability with similarity. Okay? These two ideas assist us to understand him. Now, before I go further, I would like to illustrate this concept of incomparability and similarity by using a very simple example. Okay? Now, let us look at the relationship between the sun and the earth. We could say that there is a very close relationship between these two objects. We could even say that if the sun is not there, the earth probably might not be able to exist. Now, the close relation between earth and sun is such that the presence of the sun can be felt in the hot afternoon due to the bright sunlight that reaches the earth plus the temperature that it gives. Now, this shows the imminence of the sun with the earth. At the same time, the sun is far away from us in terms of space and time. The sun is not the same as the earth. Not only that, when we see the sun from earth, the sun is also present if it's viewed from other planets within the solar system. Now, this provides how the idea of transcendence means. So, from this relationship between the sun and the earth, all right, we, have, we can see that the sun is both imminence very close to us, we feel its effect, and at the same time, the sun is transcendent, which is far away from us. Now, this is also similar in terms of God in its relation to the human being, although God is beyond this simple illustration. So, we looked, so when we look at the divine names of beauty and majesty, as we have described in the previous episode and in this introduction, we see that they can be understood either in terms of incomparability or in terms of similarity. But to understand the name in both senses, we need to go forward one sense at a time because of our limitation. Now, because of the necessity of recognizing the overwhelming reality of God and observing a bit of courtesy, or in Islam we call it adab, towards the Creator, well, we first begin from the perspective of incomparability. Now, the technical term in Arabic, for those of you who know, is tanzi. 
Now, from this point of view, the qualities designated by the divine names, like the quality of generosity or the name, the generous strictly belongs to God and human beings has no share in that. This perspective stresses the non-existence of all of creation and the only necessary existence is God that gives existence to all creation, a category which we have mentioned in episode one when we were establishing all right, the uh, why is there God in terms of its ontological arguments. Now, uh, in this way of looking of the reality of God correspond to the trust of servanthood bestowed to the human as also we have described in the IG live session. Now, in the second view, the view of similarity of divine name exhibit their properties and traces in creation. The properties and traces of these divine names are indefinitely dispersed in the whole of creation, both in the human being and the universes. In the universe, the macrocosm, which is the universe, and the microcosm, which is the human being. These are two technical terms again. This is where we begin the nature of the human being. As far as the names are concerned in their traces, the human beings are the full and integral embodiment of the divine name, which makes them to be the vicegerent or trustee of God, the second trust for the human being from the worldview of Islam. In one respect, incomparability or transcendent denotes utter lack of commonality between God and creation and the inaccessibility of the essence of God to the creatures. In another respect, right, transcendent also refers to a set of divine names that stresses the difference between God and creation while similarity or imminence designated another set that suggests a certain similarity. When human beings establish this proper relation with God in terms of these two categories, they are God's full servant and worthy vicegerent and trustee. Thus, these two set of names and those which we have described as the names of beauty and the names of majesty, mercy and wrath, or gentleness and subjugation. So therefore, all right, Understanding God from these two perspectives, comparability allows us to see that he is different from us, but similarity allows us to see that the generosity that we have, the mercy that we have, the love that we have for one another also comes from him. Thank you, Ustaz, for the summary. Uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit of my thoughts before we move on to today's content. I think for myself, it's very... Uh, Interesting to know that there's a saying that all of us say like for one who understands himself understands God, right? And uh, this is something that I actually thought of when Ustaz was giving the summary. And we, we also have to understand the incomparability of God. When we talk about uh, how big his creation is, we have to appreciate his majesty. We have to think about how much his mercy is when, he, when we move on to talk about hereafter as well. So when we look at one perspective and we leave out the other, I think that's, that's a pretty incomplete way of understanding God. Both must also be understood. Um, another point uh, is, is that sometimes we also look at how incomparable God is and, and we feel like uh, maybe we, we don't even want to try to understand God. But we also forget the other perspective that we, we also are created in the image of God 
uh, this is something that allows us to understand God better. So leaving out one perspective and, and, and just taking the other is, is truly incomplete. So we, we must understand that both must be understood for us to have a complete perspective. Uh, so Alhamdulillah, thank you Ustaz for uh, your summary to, uh, today. And uh, today we're actually talking about a very, very interesting topic that many uh, people have came to Convert Central in the past year to talk, to, to ask. And I hope that we can answer and give an explanation today that will actually uh, give food for thought to these people who came to Convert Central to ask. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the nature of man and we relate that to God's will and man's will. So uh, one of the questions we'll be answering today in the later segment is that why should I do anything if everything is already predetermined. So basically, human will. So um, we are going to talk about human will. And the nature of human will is something that is pretty inherently unexplainable for even ourselves to fully comprehend. You know, we can't just sit here and, and, and think everything about human will. So we actually require the intervention of the divine creator, which is God, to help us understand human will and, and, and divine will. And this is actually the purpose of having a reviewed worldview where we base our worldview through the framework and the guidance given to us by the divine. So to answer these questions that people have about God's will and man's will about human nature, we actually need more context about the nature of man itself, similar to how we've discussed and understood the nature of God in the previous episode and in the later episode where we talk about universe. So another caveat before we, I pass my time back to Ustaz is that we'll be quoting certain Islamic texts in today's podcast for they're actually good examples for us to better visualize certain points. And these pointers itself are also logical if you're going to look into it. So without further ado, I'll pass my time back to Ustaz to talk about the nature of human beings. Bismillah. Now, from the worldview of Islam, which I have described in the IG Live, from one perspective, it is theocentric which means that it emphasizes so much on the nature of God and the Godhead. Now, if I look at it from another perspective, it is very human-centric, has the concern of the human being, has the crown jewel of God's creation. So again here, you see this dual perspective is extremely important when we are trying to look and understand things. Human beings, in the Islamic perspective, is at once the trustee, the vicegerent, all right, or we call it the Khalifa in its Arabic term, of Allah on earth and the concept of servanthood. The two together constitute the fundamental nature of man. The fundamental trust given to us is how uh, we have described in the IG Live session. Now, as his servant, we must be subservient to his will. All right, We must be totally passive vis-a-vis -vis the will of God to receive from him direction of his life, all right, for our life and commands as to how to carry out God's will in the created order. That is looking at it from the incomparability and servanthood. As his vicegerent, we must be active precisely because he, we, is, we are Allah's representative in this world. We are a bridge between heaven and earth. The instrument through which the will of God is realized and crystallized in this world. So here you can already see all right, how the nature of the transcendence, the incomparability, and the similarity is coming into the nature of the human being. Now, Islam sees the human being as a being possessing of one's intelligence and will. But Islam addresses humankind most of all, as an intelligent being. It does not see them as having a will which has become deformed because of the original sin 
as in the case of the mainstream Augustinian interpretation of Christianity. Now, we are not intending to do any form of comparative religion here. Right? Rather, Islam sees human beings in their natural disposition in which Allah gave us the intelligence to understand him, all right, who is the Lord, who is the one, and to testify to his unity. That's why here I'm quoting the Quran where Allah addresses the humankind even before the creation of the world and asks us, am I not your Lord? And we answer, yeah, we testify. Now this yes of us is to be found the primordial covenant. All right? the, the initial promise that we made between us and God through which we accept the Lordship of Allah and which means that we will innately bear testimony to his oneness. Now, the affirmation of Tawheed, a oneness of God, one might say, is the very nature of the human being. And Islam is the religion that addresses itself to that depth, profound nature, which although covered by layers of forgetfulness and egoism, is nevertheless present in the heart of every human being. As for the will, Islam wishes man to submit his will to the will of Allah because it is only by doing so that man is able to lead a life which will result in his happiness in this world and day hereafter. Now let's look at this will a bit more. Now it is important in this context to remember that Islam is not based on original sin, but that nevertheless it does, does accept the fall of human from the original state of perfection in which we were created. Now, according to the Islamic sources, the great sin of us is in fact forgetfulness. And the purpose of the message of revelation is to enable humankind to remember. That is why one of the names of the Quran itself is called remembrance of Allah, right? remembrance of God. And while the ultimate end and purpose of all Islamic rites and of all Islamic conjunction is the remembrance of God. That primordial nature of men cannot but confirm divine unity. It cannot but witness divine unity. If that is removed, we will look for something else to replace it. But precisely because of our forgetfulness or our desires and egos creating a covering of our intellect, our will has become wrapped in the in the sense that it has become subservient to passion rather than to God. Therefore, God has revealed the rules and injunction of religion contained in the divine law, or we call it Sharia. The divine law has been revealed in order to curb our passion and to enable us to subordinate our will to the functioning of the intelligence freed from the entanglement of the passion. So that in the same way that the healthy intelligence confirms the unity of Allah, our will follows the consequence of this unity. This result in a life lived according to the will of the one through following his commands. I will discuss the idea of divine law in relation to the human being in one of the later episodes. Now, human is conceived in Islam not in his titanic, of Promotion nature, which rebels against the will of heaven in a heroic manner. On the contrary, 
human is leveled down in a sense to being the servant of God, his grandeur coming not from himself, but from his position as God's trustee and from being able to carry out the will of the supreme master of the universe. It comes from us living in weakness and in remembrance of Allah and from us acting as a creation reflecting God's wisdom and power in this world. That is why human is addressed in Islamic context as the most noble of creatures. All creatures possesses a nobility in the sense that they are created by God and reflect an aspect of the divine wisdom. We, however, is the most noble among them in the sense that we reflect most directly the divine wisdom and most completely the divine names and qualities. Human is the only central being in this world that is why only he is the vicegerent of Allah in the full sense of the term. We have the power to dominate all creatures, but we also bear the responsibility to care for all of them. Our responsibility is greater than all other creatures because we are given the consciousness and the awareness to understand Allah's nature and to obey his commands and also the freedom and the possibility to disobey the commands coming from God. Now, this brings up the very important question of freedom of choice and determinism as far as the nature of the human being and the moral consequences of our actions are concerned. On the one hand, the Quran emphasizes that Allah has power over all things. On the other end, the sacred text addresses man as a free moral agent. If we were not responsible for our action, we would not in fact have to be judged on the day of judgment. We cannot be responsible for our action unless we have freedom of choice. All the major school of Islamic thoughts has debated the relationship between humans' freedom of choice and the determined nature of the human existence. Some has emphasized determinism, a technical term here that reflects that everything has been set, and some emphasizes the freedom of choice, or more time we call it free will. They have sought to provide solution to this great enigma as their role is to assist the common folks like us to make sense of revelation, reason, and our experience with the world around us. Now, without getting into very complicated theological and philosophical issue, which the problem of freedom of choice, free will, and determinism involve, the freedom of choice in our action or even in actions is given to us as we are created in the image of God. Therefore, our freedom of choice is guaranteed. In Islam, there is no possibility of escaping from this freedom of choice. Okay? However, this is very important for us to understand. It is necessary to emphasize that Islamic worldview emphasizes over and over the reality of the human being's freedom of choice with the emphasis on our responsibilities before God, towards ourselves, and even before the rest of his creation, human beings, the environment, and all other creatures. We were given existence. We are given all the different powers, blessings, and gifts, which include not only existence, 
not only life but life has human beings capable of being aware of the infinite and the absolute with the freedom to either affirm or negate that supreme reality which he is there is in islam no freedom without responsibility and in fact there are no human rights without obligation we have no innate rights unless we accept our obligation as servant to the creator and a trustee towards other creation which gives us the freedom on how we are going to deal with all the other creation we are human by virtue of having given we are human by virtue of having been given this form of existence by god being existence or living in more joyful i repeat is that being in existence or living is more joyful and preferable than being in non existence or death therefore from islamic world view existence is seen to be more noble than non existence we must therefore first fulfill the obligation of being human being only then we have the rights as human being to go and become trustee right to all the other creation the idea of human being having innate rights independent of his acceptance of god independent of his fulfillment of his function as god vicegerent on earth is totally alien in the islamic world view certainly there are human rights in islam they are delineated clearly in our in the divine law but these rights are based upon responsibility they are based upon accepting our obligation to god who has created us who sustain us to whom we shall finally return now in other words putting the above discussion in an example if god wants a human being to become a believer he does not do so by creating belief in his heart but rather he creates conditions that make it highly likely or maybe necessary for the person when he or she exercises his or her freedom of choice to choose freely the options and the paths presented in presented in his or her process of searching for truth will eventually lead him or her towards becoming a believer do we really know what has been willed for us the answer is definitely no but what we know we have the freedom to choose we have the freedom uh, we have a freedom of choice to choose the path of goodness the freedom of choice to choose the path of truth the path of justice the path of forgiveness the path of mercy and the other paths described by the names of beauty this is how we can square the understanding of divine will with the human will and how we are related to the divine will alhamdulillah thank you ustaz um for those who are wondering why we are going this in depth into this particular question or aspect itself it's because it's a big question to unpack and it is truly important for us to understand the nature of of us men before we go on to talk about our relationship between us and god in terms of uh, where our will start and end i think coming from a non muslim perspective uh, and and eventually coming to islam this was one of the biggest questions i had in my mind where does my will end where does allah's will start perhaps for myself most of the time um 
we, we tend to see this as, as an absolute thing, like, is there human will? Or is there God's will? Because if there's human will, then does it cancel out God's will? But the, the thing is that Islam doesn't come with that perspective. Rather, it comes with, similar to how we understand God, it comes with a dual purpose perspective per se, where we are both a servant and also a vicegerent or trustee of God. And I think something that's interesting that uh, Ustaz mentioned earlier is that we, all, like, that we have the power to dominate all other creatures, but we also bear the responsibility to, responsibility to care for all of them. And I think it really ties into the duality of this, where, we have, where our rights come with responsibilities that has been given to us. And we as human beings, we have, a, we have a will to act in any way that we choose. But this freedom on how we choose will also determine how we will be caught upon in answering to the responsibilities that have been entrusted to us, the way that we use the things around us, the way we interact with the environment that, that we have around us. So all in all, God has built our freedom. He gave us the freedom to choose in a way to obey or disobey in choosing either good or bad. But by not, by not allowing us to choose, there will be a contradiction to his will and power to create a trustee and a servant unified in a single being called us humans. So it's really, really important for us to understand the dual nature of us human beings before we go on to answer these questions. Salam alaikum. Hi, this is Editing Siddiq here. So we've actually decided to split this podcast into two separate parts so that we're actually able to make it slightly more bite-sized for our listeners to unpack the concepts that we have shared in this podcast itself. So I hope that you've enjoyed the first part of Thinking It Through Episode 3 where we talk about the nature of man and how we actually see the duality in our roles of being a servant and a trustee of God in this world. So we'll move on next to use this uh, concepts to answer some of the questions that we've been given for example like why is there evil in this world and how do you actually make sense of uh, situations such as human beings being born with deformities to actually point back to the wisdom the perfect wisdom of god regardless so we will see you in the next episode in the next part of this episode and for now i will reset tasbih kafara and surah to asr and end this episode subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik bismillahirrahmanirrahim wal asl innal insana lafi khusr illa alladhina amanu wa amilus salihati wa tawassaw bil haqqi wa tawassaw bis sabr